Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is October 15th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and the Bruins are looking really good. Five and one. They just beat the Ducks yesterday, four to two. Pasternak scores four goals. So to discuss it all, I had on my good friend Pete Blackburn of CBS Sports to break it all down, to break all the whole beginning of the season down. What does this all mean? Positives. We did talk about some negatives that will that you'll get in this show. So it kind of has a little bit of everything. Pete was on, I think, like two weeks ago for the season preview, but Pete's always a great guest. I mean, if I could have Pete on every week, I would. So you'll like him. I like them. You'll like this show. Um, before we get into the, the conversation, I want to tell you about my good friends over at betonline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there, but none are quite like betonline.ag because their approach is focused on the player, and they've built their incredible reputation on offering you, the clients, and my great listeners, nothing but the best. From cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions, latest sports betting odds, they have it all. They're famous for their sports book where there are literally live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports, including the NHL. Their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy and in real time. They have everything. If you'd like to bet on NHL games, which are happening right now, and it is fun, or you'd like to bet on maybe the MLB playoffs or the NFL, the NBA is coming up soon. So you can bet on any games actually, but you guys are NHL fans. So Bet on that, bet on that. Use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that is promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys would like to keep this podcast free, which I imagine you would, go there and take advantage of this awesome opportunity. These don't come around all the time. Again, that's bet online. Dot a G. All right. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Pete Blackburn. And we're here with Pete Blackburn. Pete, what is up? How's it going? It's been what, two weeks? It's been two weeks. I, it's so funny. Um, when I realized I record my Bruins beats on Mondays and when I realized like, oh, there's a Bruins game at one o'clock on Monday. Like what Bruins reporter is going to want to come on after recovering a whole game and going to want to talk about the game for longer, for 30 more minutes. I was like, oh, call Pete. I'm always down to talk. I'm always down to hop on. Always down to hop on and talk some bees. Um, 
quite the past couple games. Five and yeah, one. Seriously. Unbelievable. Like uh, uh, five and one with, you know, I don't want to say as an asterisk, but like uh, a game that they could have won and like had business winning. So it's a, a very near six and oh, I would say. Oh, right there. I mean, you score, they scored two goals, two right. more goals in that Colorado game. The Colorado fourth goal was an empty netter. So it was, they would have won four to three, maybe. Um, so this is crazy. I mean, I was a huge, they're going to start slow person. And of course they came out and said, no, we're not worried about starting slow at all. And they were right. I was wrong. That's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought that it was a very, very, uh, real possibility that they started slow. And I think I actually said that like two, two weeks ago when we were doing the season preview podcast, it was just like, it, this is a really tough schedule to kick off the year. And what four four games in a row uh on the road to to start the year yep. and like against some really good teams and they they went three and one uh and and played well against Colorado and then you come home and they're still kicking ass so like it's it's pretty solid like and they look really good in basically all three uh facets of the game yeah and the funny thing is i expected them to have a tougher test with new jersey new jersey started out horrible anaheim's actually started out pretty good um they're four and two after today but they were four and one i mean it they they were looking good coming into this one so i I think there's a lot to take away from the start of this season and i'll start with this so ducks the bruins completely dispatched them posternock scores four goals everyone's going crazy and part of me is like do we, is it really a big deal when the first line does well in the regular season anymore? Because every year they come out firing. 24 points for them in the past five games. Uh, not counting the Dallas one. So well, pre, the last five, they have 24 points. We know how they did in the cup last year, and we right. sort of saw that. We know they're good in the regular season. Posh, there were still the same columns written this time last year. Is David Posh not going to hit 50 goals? Do we really, is it really big news anymore when the first line does well? Like they're not really proving anything to us, are they? It's just kind of what they do. They perform incredible in the regular season, right? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to a certain extent, it, it's news in that, you know, this team goes as far as the first line takes them uh, for, you know, I think the most part. So the fact that they're playing really well, and that's a big reason why they're winning games. So it's a big, it's big news there, but it's not a big shock. Right. Like we've seen them do this before and it's very easy to forget given how long last year was and sort of like how long of a season that was things get lost, but it's very easy to forget that nobody else was scoring in the first couple months or month and a half of the season. It was completely the first line carrying that offense. Um, and that's sort of what's happening right now. <laughs> like we're, we're basically back at square one. I think they are getting a little bit more depth. Um, in terms of like the fourth line is looking versatile, looking pretty good, um, contributing as well. But I mean, man, if you had concerns about that second line, you're probably not feeling great right now. That second line has not looked good. No, it has not. And the thing about that line's weird. Krejci left Monday's game with an injury, came back, and then left. I think he played like seven shifts. DeBrusque, I haven't really noticed other than the power play. I mean, there's really not been a lot that he's been doing. And Again, like you can't blame him because his line mates and Coleman, Coleman's had some flashes. He scored a goal in Colorado, got called back. There was a chance the other night against New Jersey where he missed a wide open net. I think it was on a two on one. Um, 
and he's he drives the net hard, but he just every time gets hit, stops short. So I feel like every time I see every every time I notice Coolman, he's he's gearing up down the wing, he's flying, he's showing off that speed. And then he loses an edge and he'll like crash into the goaltender. And it happens every time. I just feel like that is like a hundred percent of his game. But like he, you're right. He, I mean, he, he is showing off the speed. He's shown it in flashes. Like if, if they start putting it together, he can be a productive second line guy. I think, right? I just think, I mean, it's that, that second line lives and dies with David Krejci and David Krejci has looked uh, hurt number one. And when he's been out there, He's been invisible for like a very, very large chunk of the season so far. Oh, yes. And you had a take two weeks ago when we did the season preview uh, uh, podcast. You were like, this is his last year. This looks like his last year. I mean, co- well, I you know, it was his last year in Boston. Oh, I know. I know. I know. It's, that's what it's, I looked, it's looked like it's like maybe his last year in the league. No, it, that's an overreaction. But uh, he has not looked good. No, he is not. And the funny thing is uh, the coil line hasn't been producing per se but they haven't been bad if you i mean the, the other night against new jersey i know it's not that big a deal but all three of them were uh Heinen, richie and coil were the top three coursey fours uh on the team something to be said for that i think they're fine they've been totally fine um i i they haven't produced much but they've been a solid third line and then the fourth line every year is good like it's not news that the fourth line's good. Everyone knows the Bruins have this weird fetish with like they have good fourth lines every single year and they find a way to make these guys point producers. Um so but the the second line thing's escaping me because you know everyone looks at the right side of Krejci. Well, what if Krejci's not? Like what if Krejci's just hurt? What what is the next step that the Bruins like have to do to solidify the second line cuz it doesn't look like much much is working. Yeah, I, I think that you either gotta, you either gotta slot coil up and, and play him as a second line center if, if Krejci's not in the lineup, or you gotta give one of those, or maybe both of these things, maybe you bring up one of those younger guys and give him, a, and give him a shot, or maybe it's, maybe it's Par Lindholm. Like, I, I don't know what the solution <laughs> is there, but like, it, they don't really have the luxury, I would say, of, of being able to miss David Krejci. Like you need, you really need Bergeron, you really need Krejci, and you really need Charlie Coyle because I think that's the strength of this team if all of those guys are, are healthy and producing. Like we saw how how huge that could be for this team last year. And, and I, I, I said it, you know, when they got Coyle at the deadline, like one of the most luxurious things that you can have and one of the most important things that a contender can have in this league is a good third-line center. I think the Bruins have three good centers right now, but if you lose one of them and you lose David Krejci, then you, I think you have to slot up Coyle and you lose a very important piece towards having a good third line. And we saw how bad the third line was at points when Charlie Coyle was not here last year. So it's, it is a bit concerning. It's yeah, also a bit I mean, concerning because it's like a waste because you know, Jake DeBrusque is so, is really good and he just, he needs, he needs a little bit more stability. And he hasn't gotten that over the past, uh, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't want to say he didn't get it last year, but like Jake DeBrusque was, was pretty inconsistent last year. If the Bruins could just get Jake DeBrusque on a, like a solidified line, just put him right. with, like if David Krejci was healthy and you had a real right winger who could score like, w- like when he was with Rick Nash, that was it. Like that's, right. that is what that kid needs. A, a solid line with him. I mean, I, that's and it's it's kind of like with Krejci, you know. And again, like 
the Bruins, the re, you know, I think people overlook this sometimes. But part of the reason that Marchand has been as good in his career as he has been is he has Bergeron. Bergeron has Marchand. And then Pasternak came along. So they've always just had each other. That's always worked. That's why the chemistry is so good. DeBrusque and Krejci consistently have had a different person on the right side every single year. And there's been points where DeBrusque has just missed having Krejci in the middle. So that second line is just such a question mark to me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of – the Bruins have this weird thing where the first line carries them for yeah. big portions of the season. So I don't think this is a dire problem. No. But it has it's, every... It's something that, right, it's something that we navigated again last year. We're, they're in the exact same position, basically. <laughs> and they were able to navigate it. It's obviously not ideal. It's something that you can address as the season goes on. But, if, like, for me, I, I think that a, a bunch of people had said it before the season started. Like, I was wondering if they should move David Pasternak down um, just to give that second line a, a little bit more firepower, a little bit more stability, uh, you know, see if Jake DeBrus kind of catches fire, uh, with a little extra talent on that, on that line. But I don't think that you can break it up now because you look at, at what that first line is doing. They are winning you games and yes. you're not going to move David Pasternak down when he's scoring four goals a game. Like it's crazy. He's got six goals through six games and you're, you're not going to pull him off that line. Or at least I think it's, it's very, very difficult to pull him off that line when that team, when that line is winning you games. And you also want Krejci to be there. You're not moving Pasternak down to play with Par Lindholm down the middle. Like right, just, you're right. Yeah, it's... exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you need David Krejci to be healthy, and you need him to be playing like David Krejci was playing last year. Like, you're not going to give Par Lindholm uh, a, uh, a David Pasternak player. You're just you're sacrificing too much there. The oddest thing was in, I think it was 2017-18 when Bergeron was hurt for like a, an extended period of time and they had Riley Nash as the first line center with Martian and, and Poshnok and it worked, but yeah. it was the weirdest thing seeing Riley Nash as the, as the first line Taking center. like opening face-offs of games <laughs> and starting games and stuff. It was like, oh my God, Riley Nash centering, uh, Brad Marchand and it's, it's working. Like that's how good Brad Marchand is too. So yes, uh, and that's how good Riley Nash was for the Bruins when he was here. And then he was very good. (laughs) He totally lost it with Columbus last year because he he had the huge hit on who was it? He had a big hit on someone and then Chara ran him during the playoff series. Yeah, I do remember that. He was uh, he was talking uh, he's talking that smack. Yes, it was. uh, Or uh, no, it was. um, I think it was Victor Hedman in the first round who got into it with. with with Riley Nash or something. No, I'm talking about the second. I'm talking this past playoffs. Yeah, that's what I was too, but I, f- I forgot. Something happened with Riley Nash. I know that something happened with Riley Nash. I know he had something with the Bruins, like an issue where he ran a guy. I don't remember who it was, though, on the Bruins. And then the next game, like seconds in, Chara just <laughs> – Rectum. I don't remember who we hit though. That escapes me. That's gonna really piss me off that I can't get that. But you know what I'm sick of though, and I will say this up front, I'm really sick of people saying on Twitter, Oh, look at the success the first line's having, and you guys wanted to break it up. Well, that's not the point. Like obviously right. the first line together, Poshnok, Bergeron, and Martian are gonna produce a ton. That's not why we pe- people wanted them to get split up. It's not because we didn't think they'd produce. It's because 
we thought what would happen right now where the second line isn't producing. Now, the first line's carrying them, but what happens if things start to go haywire? So I, I think it's something you, to watch. Yeah, you, you just don't – like the argument for, for putting Pasternak down is so that you don't have a one-line team. Correct. If, if you have a one-line team, you're going to have like one of the best first lines in hockey. I don't think anybody's going to, to argue that. But you don't want that team to be like your entire offense because they can be shut down. We've seen it. They can be yep. shut down, and if you shut them down, you're you're losing games. You're going to lose games. So I, that's the argument is to putting Pasternak down. Uh, like right now, I don't think you can do it though. Correct, and but I think you can't go into the playoffs being a one line team. No, definitely. Not. We've seen it. <laughs> We've seen it. They can't do it. Um, Pasternak, fifty goals or what? Feels like my yeah. might be the year. That was my, that was my prediction. Uh, after I think it was after we actually uh, ha- recorded the podcast, I did my predictions for CBS Sports. I said that uh, I said that Pasternak is my Rocket Richard winner. I think he's going to score. I think he's going to score fifty. I think it's going to be him and Austin Matthews and, and Ovechkin very very close uh, at the top of that list. Uh, all of them like fifty or very close to it. It feels like this is it because if he can stay healthy. And keep the consistency going. If that line can stay intact, how does he not hit it? I mean, well, granted, he's not going to score four goal- goals every game, right? But he but, was he, he was on pace for forty seven last year before he hurt himself. Yep. So forty seven last year, and you know he's still what twenty three years old. So like this is a guy who's still hitting his prime, and he's still playing alongside two of the best players in the game uh, in terms of like the best first line and hockey like there is absolutely no reason to believe that he can't touch 50 so here's my thing with the first line and i often wonder this and i think i think there's a good portion of people out there who can't call them the perfection line anymore who can't call them the best line in hockey because of what happened in the cup last year does that does that do you think that's kind of going to hold them back all year is like we can't go too far complimenting them because we've technically seen this before and no. look at what happened last year. No, I, I think that it's unfair to, to say that any line in hockey is a perfect line and, you know, can't have downslides. Like last year in the Stanley Cup final wasn't the first time that we'd seen this, this line downslide and, and struggle and, and struggle to produce. It's, it's happened. It's going to happen. Like it's not so much baseball where like, that that's a, a sport of you, you just can't avoid slumps, uh, but yes. I think that hockey there's elements of that to hockey too, where just like especially when you're playing like every every other day for for two and a half months and you're banged up and you know it's the most physical time of year. Like I'm not going to hold that against the top line. They're still one of the best lines in hockey, and I don't think that you know you're going getting ahead of yourself and calling them one of the best lines in hockey. It's just who they are. It, that can that shit can happen to any line in the entire league, and I will take uh, Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak over about I would say ninety nine percent of any other line in hockey. The only one that I might put in front of them is uh, is McKinnon, Rantanen, and, and Landeskog. I would love to see the Bruins and Blues play a seven game series fully healthy and see kind of how it would go, and I would love to see the adjustments that the Bergeron line would make against that O'Reilly line or what they've learned from it. Because I think there's so many things that played into why they were not dominant against that O'Reilly line. I mean, O'Reilly is just good. Like O'Reilly is an incredible, incredible two-way center. I mean, right. But he was bad in the first, he was bad in the first, first couple rounds of the playoffs. Correct. He was not, he was not very good. 
like that like furthermore goes to the point that that any great player can be not great for a, a good stretch of time and it just so happened that the Bruins top players were pretty bad in the Stanley Cup final and that's a very poor time to go cold but again like to your point there's a lot of things that were were sort of you know working into that and it it is what it is shit happens we move forward, but this is still one of the best lines in hockey, and I don't think that uh, you're getting yourself in trouble by kind of saying that uh, early in the season. They have 24 points in five games. That is nuts. That's a stat I'm going to tweet. Um, but Pete, did you know hiring can be a slow process? Did, oh, did you know that? I don't. I, I I'm aware of confusing processes, but I'm not aware of slow processes. Well, let me tell you about this slow process that is actually made easier by something I'm going to tell you about. Cafe Altura CEO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So you know what he did? He switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology that identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan actually posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants. So he knew he was getting the most relevant and like the best people. I mean, come on, you want the best people working for you. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in, in like just a few days. This guy found it in like two to three days, which is unheard of in the coffee industry. With results like this, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our personal address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston Beat. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-O-S-T-O-N-B-E-A-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston Beat. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, we're going to get negative. Why don't we get negative? Come on. Let's do it. Five and one. Let's get negative. I'm going to come out and say it. Brandon Carlo has not looked good. Am I the only one that thinks this? No, I don't think you're far off. Uh, you know, you, you, you want to see him sort of continue what he left off with last year. I don't think he's to that level. Maybe it's just early season stuff, but, uh, you know, it, I don't think it's been, you know, terrible, but it hasn't, he hasn't really stood out to me. But I mean, you do look at the numbers and they're not that bad. Um, and you know, the underlying numbers and stuff like that. But I also think that's a product of just how well this team has been playing overall. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the goaltending has been great. They've been getting yeah. great goaltending through six games from both. I mean, when was the last time Tuka started the season off good like this? And and I get it. It's coming off the Stanley Cup last year. It was like a two-month layoff. So really, it was like continuing last season. But I don't know. I, Not just Tuka, by the way. Halak oh, has, has been very, very good. Um, he, had a, he has a little gaffe uh, in the Columbus Day game that, didn't didn't end up mattering, but it kind of put them back and uh, you know gave him a little bit of a, a pulse there at the end. But that was like his first big mistake of the year. Yeah, well, I didn't mention Halak because he started out last season hot too. So I was right. like, oh, you know, yeah, Tuka, yeah. look at Tuka. But with Carlo, I don't know what it is. He's not as dominant. Now, granted, in the regular season, you're not. I mean, Cassie likes to match his lines and stuff, but he's not. It's not as dire as it is in the playoffs where it's like, okay, Carlo is on the ice every time Panarin is. And they haven't faced a team similar to that yet this year where they have that hard matchup. So I get that. 
But there have been turnovers Carlo's been making. There have been missed coverages in front of the net. There's a lot of little things that, like, Carlo's relied upon to do, and you just see him miss him. And it's like, oh, that's odd. Because he looked so good in last year's playoffs. I mean, he was arguably one of their top two defensemen. And oh, yeah. No, I don't think that's that – I don't even think that's that's arguable. Well, I guess if you want to say Tori Krug. But, mm. uh, but I mean, McAvoy and Carlo were, were studs for them last year during the playoffs and obviously a big reason why they got this far they did. I don't know. It's – it's uh, for me, I'm not, I'm not worried about it yet. Um, he's still a young player, um, short summer, still kind of getting his, his footing maybe in the early season going. I, he's too good of a player, I think, to, to kind of – regress heavily and right as of right now it's not really killing him but you know you do want to see some of that stuff cleaned up uh, as the season goes on oh yeah I don't think this is going to be an issue that's going to hurt them the whole season but six games in something to talk about it's, it's something yep. we gotta find the negatives there's not a lot there's not a lot bad going on with this team this team looks good they look good they do. I did not expect to be saying that this early in the season. I thought they'd come out slow. I thought they'd be, you know, lackluster. I, I saw those first two games against Dallas and Arizona, and I said, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that Vegas game. And then, of course, oh, oh, Bruce Cassidy coach team came back from, like, an early deficit. Oh, I forgot about that. It, that's what they do. They do They do look really good. I, I also think that there's a uh, – I'm a little bit – Concerned with some of the stuff that I've seen, just, you know, the goaltending has been great. What happens if that doesn't, you know, stay like, what are, what are they at? Like nine fifty right now between the two of those guys, like that's not going to be sustainable. Um, and you know, you're, you're getting all your scoring from, from one line. Basically that's a little concerning, um, but their power play has looked good. So that, you know, it's, it's hit or miss, but it has looked good at, at points. Um, and you know, I think, you know, m- there are more things that I think are positive in the positive column, obviously at five and one than, uh, than there are with negatives. The only real negative I can think of that'll probably be cleaned up soon or another negative to add on to the couple I've brought up, whatever second periods, at least the past two yeah. games, the ducks yeah. and the devils. Devils outshot them, I think, uh, a lot to – I forget the exact number, but a lot to a little in the second. And then the Ducks outshot them in the second, I think, like 16 to 6. I mean, it wasn't even close. So, again – You know what the counter of that is? Great first periods. Great first great periods. Period. <laughs> great first periods. I, I, I don't know if it's just me, like, but I, I feel like the Bruins are a bad second period team. And I feel like a lot of the times they, they'll – you know, struggle in the second period. Didn't they do that a lot in the playoffs last year? It seems like forever ago. Or were they a really good second period team in the playoffs? They were a really good second period team. Were uh, they? I don't remember. I remember them absolutely dominating um, in in Carolina in second periods. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that I'd rather see them get off to great first periods. Uh, because you kind of, you can jump out to an early lead, uh, and, and maybe get a little wiggle, wiggle room, uh, in the second period, whereas you're not digging yourself, uh, in an early hole if you're coming out slow. So I'll take a bad second period over a, over a bad first period. Pause where to look at That's, that's, that's my spin zone. That's my spin zone for you. (laughs) And I like, I like 
first periods better than second periods. It's so funny because every game with the first period, it's like the Bruins are dominating. But it's also the ebbs yeah. and flows of the game. Like a hockey game, you can't really dominate full 60 minutes. It goes up and down. So Bruins at some point, got to say, you know what? You can come in our zone for a little bit. You can chill out. You can maneuver the puck around, you know, all that fun stuff. You can do that for like a period and we'll just get you in the third. Whatever. No biggie. Um, Honestly, okay. maybe maybe it's like a, they, they're so confident in their defensive – defensive game and goaltending that they're kind of just like, Hey, we'll let you hang out in, in our zone. You guys can run yourself tired. And then we're just going to pounce all over you in the third period and, and seal the deal. If you want to hate that like, strategy, not a bad, that's a pretty good strategy for the Bruins. I got to right. give it to Cassidy. That's why he's a Jack Adams award candidate. You go up, you, you go, get a quick start. You, you punch him in the mouth a little bit, go into first intermission, take, take a little step back, let them tire themselves out. And then you go for the kill shot in the third period. You demoralize them by giving them something in the second. And, you know, they don't get a lot to show for it. And it's demoralizing. And you go and you, you wrap it up in the last 20 minutes. It's hey. just a brilliant strategy from, from Cassidy there. You want to cycle the puck in our zone for a little bit. You want to give some warm-up shots for our goalie. You go right ahead. We'll get you in the third period. We'll get you all tired in the second. That's a pretty good uh, strategy right there. Um, okay. What's up with your New Jersey Devils? Can you tell me what is up with this team? Oh, they are a complete disaster. It's Terrible. crazy, crazy. Oh it's, my God. They are just an absolute mess. I think that, you know, their, their back end has not looked good at all. Like they just, they can't get the puck out of their own end. They're, you know, they're falling all over themselves. PK Subban is like pretty bad, uh, to this point in the year. Like they're, they've gotten a little bit of bad luck up front too, but. I mean, the power play has just been disastrous. They they can't hold leads. The coaching has looked really, really bad. The lines are questionable. So, like, it's – I know that we're only, like, a week, two weeks into the season. But, I mean, John Hines is, is very much on the hot seat there because it it really can't get much worse. They've blown a four-goal lead in the, in the season opener. They just blew a three-goal lead today. It's it has looked awful. I saw your tweet. It was Darren Ravel in the stands? Was that Darren that's why was they there. lost? Yeah, they were uh, Darren Ravel. Uh, I saw him shuffling into his seat. Uh, the Devils had a four to one lead at that point. I think it was. I believe it was in the first period, the first or second period. They had a four to one lead. Darren Ravel went to his seat, and the Devils lost. Uh, I think they lost five to four or six to four. But they didn't score again, and uh, and they blew a three goal lead. So, uh, Darren Ovell, just uh, absolute curse. <laughs> I would I'd say that no matter what, even if he wasn't a curse, Darren, just just go stay away from everything that I love. <laughs> Jack Hughes, no points. He has uh, looked miserable. He has looked so so bad. It's funny because you know what, and this is me, but he looked okay in the preseason yeah. when. Uh, he was against the Bruins. Now, granted, the Bruins put out like their AHL team. They look good. He cycled the puck well. He did. He had some really nice goals. Cycled the puck well. Um, you know, carried it well. The other night, I was like, I didn't even notice him. I mean, it's just irrelevant. And and PK Subban, as you said, just looks out of place on that Devils team. Yeah, I will say, uh, Hughes got robbed in uh, in today's game. Like he sh- he should have had a goal, but. I mean, he is, he has not looked good. That team is, it's funny because that Metropolitan, I know it's a cup like a weekend of the season, but in that Metropolitan division, man, you are not gaining easy ground. And right now you got the Hurricanes in first, 
your prediction's looking right on the Hurricanes being the team of the Metro. I, I give you credit for that. The it's Penguins, still very early, but they do look, they do look really, really good. No, these are the final standings for the year. <laughs> yes. Penguins, Capitals, and then the Islanders and Flyers and Rangers, the Blue Jackets, Devils. Um, pretty crazy. Surprised about, the, be- surprised about the Penguins. Like the, the Penguins have, have shown uh, a little bit of a shut spot where they're just like, they're hanging on, man. And they've had some injuries. They're still winning games. Like Malkin's out. Uh, Bukestad's been out. They've had some, some tough injury luck and they're still getting it done. Let me ask you, you're, you're an all NHL coverer. So you see all these games. Are the Oilers legit? Uh, I guess if they can get like 200 goals from James Neal, like they, <laughs> they certainly can be legit. I, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not buying them. I still think that, uh, this is a team that is way too reliant on Connor McDavid. Um, obviously James Neal has looked really good. And if you can get, if you can get even like 25 goals from James Neal, which he's certainly on pace for that at this point, like that is very good. They, they, and they need that sort of, uh, secondary production in in that uh in that lineup but i don't buy into their goaltending i i don't think they're a strong enough team when mcdavid's not on the ice and you know so i i think that they they could they're probably a bubble team but i don't think they're like for real for real yeah james neal's on pace for a lot of goals seven goals in five games put that over 82 games it's a lot of goals a whole lot of goals. uh that's a whole lot of goals uh that's it that's we covered everything. We've talked about everything related to the Bruins. Um, they have a weird week ahead, if I'm not mistaken. The Bruins do. What do they, they have? What do they have in front of us? They have Lightning on Thursday. They have they're in Toronto on Saturday, and then they're against Toronto uh, a week from today, so Tuesday. Okay. So they have a, a tough upcoming three games, and then they have the Blues later next week. So they have a tough, tough. Schedule coming up. You can come out of that with two wins. That's looking pretty good because that is a rough, rough schedule right there. We'll say that the the Lightning haven't not looked that great uh, in the early going this season. Obviously, they still got a, a boatload of talent there, and you don't want to take them lightly. But they haven't looked that that dominant. It, you know, certainly not in in relation to what they were last year. But say so the Bruins look like a better team than them this year already. Imagine if the Lightning. Like my prediction was lightning would come out after the sweep last year and dominate the league, go to the cup, all that stuff. Imagine they come out and they like don't even make the playoffs and they just completely flop. I mean, it would be an all time wild development, I think. <laughs> but I would fully expect them to make the playoffs. I would love, absolutely love if the, uh, if the Bruins could, could win the division this year and, uh, and just avoid that first round matchup with the Leafs again, because, oh my. God, uh, as I much as I, as, as much as I love playing the Leafs in the first round and, and, and beating them every single time, like I need something different. I would love to see uh, the Leafs or the Lightning knock each other out in the first round and meet the Bruins in the second round. It's getting very, very ahead of ourselves at this point. But uh, <laughs> with a five and one start, anything is possible. I'm uh, I'm reaching for the skies. Bruins confirmed 2020 Stanley Cup champions. I just, I want something different. I just want a different first round matchup. I know Leafs Bruins is always a great series, but give me something different. Give me a different team that they're going to play. Cause like, well, did you see the, uh, the Leafs and Lightning when they, when they met, uh, last week? They, I think it was like seven goals in the first period. 
Yeah, it was. Seven goals in the first period. It was four to three game and just like an unbelievable track meet. <laughs> and uh, like seven games of that, hell yeah, that'd be so fun. Especially, just, especially knowing that like one of those teams is going to lose. <laughs> just smash the over in those games. Um, absolutely wild. Pete, do you have anything to plug before you want to go? Uh, podcast, listen to brunch, brunch on wherever you, you know, search for your podcast, cbssports.com. I do, uh, I am doing the power rankings for cbssports.com. My first year. Hell yeah. Had a lot of fun, uh, in the first go round. So that'll be, uh, every Tuesday. Then I have a column on Wednesday. So if you want to read my stuff, there it is. cbssports.com. How hard is it to power rankings? Uh, it's, I would say the, the hardest part of doing the power rankings is assembling the teams. I love doing the blurbs, but like choosing an order is tough. It's, it's tough because like I I stay up to date with the league as much as I can, but I'm not watching every single game. So you kind of have to, so you kind of have to do, you know, a little bit of digging, a little bit of research to find out, you know, what, how that team's been doing for the past week, you know, some of the stuff that's going on with them. So the, the order is, is an undertaking. But I love uh, I love doing the blurbs. That must be fun making oh, yeah. fun of the because if oh, it's yeah. like the Senators, oh, yeah. you make fun of them. If it's the Oilers, yeah. you're like, oh, James Neal's going to win MVP, all that fun stuff. James yeah. Neal, seven goals, unbelievable. All right, Pete, always a pleasure. Uh, and for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky for Bruins Beat. You guys have a great rest of your week. Yeah.